Welcome to the Game Deflators podcast, season two, episode 10, otherwise now known as episode 15. That's right. We secretly recorded five more episodes, except we didn't. John and James recorded episodes before, and we're just dropping the whole season thing. Yeah, going straight into episodes. It doesn't now. make sense to keep multiple seasons of this going if we're going to keep this going as like a you know single thing forward. Um, but just so people know, if you go on our YouTube page, you're going to see on there four episodes in season one, nine episodes plus today's, which will be episode fifteen. There are some lost episodes floating around out there. We honestly, truly did lose them. So I guess whenever we find them, we'll we'll upload them. By the way. I'm Ryan, and I'm joined by my co-host, John. It's the opposite, but yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. I can be a co-host today. That's fine. <laughs> so here on the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and as always, the ever-loved Inflation Deflation Challenge, where we pick a game and decide if it's worth the current market price or not. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Um, so this week, we actually, unfortunately, had a crappy game challenge given to us by James in the most recent episode, and uh, I don't even want to say the name of this game, but we had to play Miss Sparty's, not, not Miss Sparty's, I'm trying to mix up my words here, Miss Spider's Tea Party on the PlayStation 1. A lot of edutainment involved in that game. Yeah, it was, it was so bad. John's still shell-shocked by it. I, I truly am. And, you know, Ryan, actually, while playing that game, uh, he couldn't match colors. There were we're... no colors. Okay, so we'll, we'll get into that later. But uh, starting off, John, what you got for pickups this week? So this week I, I got a couple pickups. Well, like four pickups and um, some interesting stories behind them. Uh, we'll go with the first one. The favorite of the group was uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice on PS4. Finally released a physical copy. I think I brought this up in a previous episode a while back, but that I really wanted to play this game. I just didn't want to buy a digital copy because I absolutely hate buying digital games. Just not a fan of it. So when they announced, yeah, yeah, exactly. We've mentioned it multiple times. So when they announced a hard copy of this game, I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta pick this up, and I certainly did. And I also played it and beat it within a couple days. So that was fantastic. The other pickups though, and here's a story for it. I picked up Test Drive 2, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, and uh, I think it's like Dragon's Eye uh, Mahjong on the um, SNES. So, the story behind that, I go into, and you can find this on the Instagram page as well as Facebook, but I go into a Goodwill, searching around as I usually do, and uh, I come across a stack of Super Nintendo games. Like, sweet, these are probably all overpriced, but let's go ahead and see the first title on top. Street Fighter 2, and let's see what it's priced at. If it's a decent price point, then that means the rest of the games here could be adequately priced or underpriced. So I pick up the Street Fighter 2, I'm like, hmm, I'm going to guess 12 bucks. I flip it over, $29.99. Terrible. That's like two, three times the price of what it typically goes for. Looked at the rest of the games, Super Mario, uh, World, Donkey Kong, Super Mario, Tetris, everything was like 30 bucks a pop. And of course, I get the world, and the world is Carmen Sandiego relatively 15 16 game on average four dollars i look at mahjong probably about a five dollar game i think four dollars test drive maybe a twelve dollar game four dollars so i'm like the games here that are actually wor- not worth it necessarily they're going to be shelf dressing as james likes to put it but those particular games were very much underpriced 
and you look at the Mario games, the Donkey Kong, and they're super overpriced, and Street Fighter. So it's just like, who the hell's pricing this? So of course I asked the manager, or not the manager, I said, who prices this? And they're like, oh, our manager does. And of course I asked what the manager was smoking. Um, just outright. I, I should probably hold my tongue sometimes. Well, I mean, once you get into, you know, name recognition, those are going to be the things that people who are selling and unaware are going to say, hey, you know, these are games that I've heard of, so these must be the popular games. These are old games, so they must be worth more than whatever this is. So regardless of the actual value, the perceived value is probably going to be way off when it's some manager at Goodwill that probably has no idea what they're doing anyways. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's a Nintendo effect. I mean, no matter what secondhand store you go into, it's kind of nice in a way, though. They see the Nintendo games like a Mario and a Donkey Kong, and they skyrocket the price. But then I can go in there in the same location that had like 15 bucks on a Toadstool Golf loose, all right, for the GameCube at, you know, $15. I pick up Zoids on the GameCube Complete Inbox for $3. So, like, you know, it, it kind of works its way through. There's some games that you're like, yeah, I would love to pick up that Mario game for somebody at a lower price point. But then they've got like a literally uncommon game that you're getting for $3. So, you know, it is what it is. I got a few good games and it worked out. Did you get anything this week, though? This was a, a rough week in gaming for me. I didn't pick up anything. I know I told everybody I was going to pick up Smash. I just, Christmas, Christmas shopping, you know, family, all that stuff that you get around this time of the season has really taken me out of games. I uh, I haven't played anything or bought anything all week. You know, I've had uh, just other priorities. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what Christmas and Santa brings me and if not, I'll uh, run over to Best Buy. So what you're saying is you inflated your wallet? Is that what happened here? Uh, yeah, the inflation and then the immediate deflation as I got to the mall. That sounds about right, man. Well, uh, obviously you didn't play anything. I, of course, did play something. I played Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. So I know I've been playing Pokemon Go, and I'm not done with that game, but I've kind of hit that wall, dude, that you hit. So Pokemon Go, or Pokemon Let's Go, not Pokemon Go. But yeah, so Pokemon Let's Go, I'll get into that really quick. Um, I got to the Seafoam Islands. I'm sitting there using Surf, which really isn't Surf because I'm just on a surfboard, but it's Sea Skim, I think is what they call it in this game. So I'm skimming around. I'm like, you know, I could keep playing. Or, and I look down at Senua's Sacrifice by me, I'm like, I could pop this in because it should be pretty quick and it's not another 15 hours of level grinding my Pokemon and catching. So I did that and I got hooked immediately like you need to play this game dude like it is phenomenal i i will continue saying how good this game was we have gameplay videos on the on the uh, youtube channel because i could not stop recording what i was playing um <clears throat> we've got instagram posts dedicated to this game facebook posts like i went haywire over this dude game itself you're pretty much his character looking for your your love who has died like the soul of him and going into viking hell so helheim and you're trying to find the goddess Hela, who pretty much has his soul. And the entire time you're fighting all of these underworld beings and trying to solve puzzles to get in between these different uh, gates throughout. Um, there's like a psychological aspect of it. Flames everywhere, voices speaking in your head. It's so amazing when you actually play this title with a headset on. So I have the uh, PS4 Gold headset, and I had that hooked up, and... 
dude, it was just unbelievable. The experience was phenomenal. The gameplay was perfect. This is really the definition of what an independent company's AAA title should be. Ninja Theory blew it out of a park, and unfortunately, Microsoft purchased them, which means say goodbye to all good Ninja Theory games down the road. <laughs> so um, I will loan it to you, man. Uh, obviously, I just loaned it to a couple of other friends of ours, so they should get through that pretty quickly, and then it'll be your turn to play Senua's Sacrifice. Yeah, I, I remember seeing a lot of stuff about it in the past. I almost completely forgot about it until you picked it up and started posting stuff and talking about it all the time. It's uh, it's definitely one of those games that we need more of. We need more of these, you know, not AAA full-budget $60 releases, but some nice, clean B titles. You know, $30, $40 releases that are a cut above in quality and not in the way that, like, The Messenger was a really good, solid retro you know, throwback, but things that are more a new, modern, developed at a decent price point with some great content. I mean, this could have been what, you know, the Order 1886 could have been. Yeah, I still like that game, dude. It wasn't terrible. I I never played it, but from what I've seen and heard and watched reviews of it, it was an utter disappointment at the length and with the just the way that it carried itself and being a fully priced game was a little yeah so i will go a few of that so if i purchased the order 1886 at full price i would have been completely pissed but i picked it up and it was like six bucks at gamestop so for me i pick up this game as a six seven hour game pick it up for six dollars you can't beat that so i will loan you that game and you'll see that it's a it's a pretty decent game um definitely fun to play sixty dollars Hell no. $10? Sure. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of ties everything back into what we've been talking about a lot. You know, it's it's the value of the game for what you pay for it. And, you know, at launch, it's rare that you're going to get the value that you pay for it because the price is going to go down for the most part unless it's a Nintendo game, pretty much. But the, uh, you know... You could wait a few weeks and pick up something like Fallout 76 for almost half price because of how terrible it was, but it does have hours and hours and hours of terrible content in it, whereas opposed to Senwa's and The Order, those are tight, you know, constructed, well-thought-out, and well-polished experiences at a lower price. Like So it's like, game developers, just take your time and do it the right way. And don't try to rush things out the door and patch it later. Yeah, this game, uh, truly, Senua's Sacrifice, truly felt 100% polished in my mind. There were some areas where it's like, oh yeah, you know, you can see through a wall or something. But that's, you know, just through the development phase, that's just something that, it doesn't affect the gameplay. Just, you happen to see a blip. Um, I didn't see any crazy issues with the title itself. Very smooth flowing title. The battle system was great. It's a fantastic cinematic experience. All the lore behind it as well in the historical aspects, the psychological components, everything was very much spot on. And it was one of those titles that as I was playing it, I thought to myself, if this was about six or seven more hours of gameplay, I think it would be too much. Like, because it was a lot of the same stuff, but it progressed so nicely in that eight to nine hour time frame that it takes to beat it. 
And I was like, I wouldn't want any more than what I've got right now. I wouldn't want any less. It was a perfect time frame of that type of game. Um, the price point, I would say, was spot on. If somebody were to charge me $60 for that game, I would probably be upset in paying that much. I would still enjoy and love the game, but I would feel like there's more that I should have got for my value at that point. At 30 bucks, with a discount that I had at Best Buy with the Gamers Club, it came out to about 27 I think at the end of the day and that was that was worth it for sure and, and totally free of microtransactions and loot boxes and dlc and all the we want more money for what should be a whole experience instead of uh you know you get what you pay for yeah the unfortunate thing is i bought it after i learned they were acquired by microsoft which makes me wonder how much of that money is going to go to microsoft and i absolutely hate microsoft except for my computer they, they, they're okay in that aspect. Right. So, um, well, man, that being said, uh, that was a fantastic game. And great news that it came out on the PS4 and a physical copy. But kind of want to go into our news section and uh, see if you kind of know what the worst news that you heard in 2018 was for gaming. Like, what, in your opinion, was the absolute worst news? I know... You and I have kind of chatted about it the last few hours as far as like overall things that occurred in the gaming industry that, you know, sucked. But what was like by far the worst possible news that you heard? I think my biggest disappointment of 2018 is probably the PS1 Classic. I was hopeful for it when it was announced. I am definitely a nostalgia junkie and I love, you know... When I finally got a Super Nintendo Classic, I was stoked about that. I thought it was like a really fun, well-put-together thing. And then as the news came out and we learned more about the PS1 Classic, it just became very clear that this was a cheap cash grab and not going to be worth the time and money that it would take to you know, actually try and enjoy it even. like I'd be much better off just going on my PS4 and buying PS1 games then I would be actually spending $100 for this little nostalgia trip. And it's just a huge disappointment. I was really looking forward to it, and it just keeps keeps letting me down to know that it's not, it's just not going to be a worthwhile investment ever. You know, the, the prospect we talked about last week with a potential N64 classic for the future, I'm still hopeful for that. But I think it just goes to show that the Nintendo is really on top of their game when it comes to making toys. Like, Nintendo's a toy company. Games are not necessarily toys, but these are toys. Like, a small retro box, that's a toy. And Nintendo does it better than anybody else. Yeah, so I actually, one of my other pickups this week uh, that I had was the, um, the Amiibo from Marth. So that was actually pretty sweet, dude. I've been waiting probably, God, since they first came out, man. So speaking of toys, honestly. Uh, and that was probably a big letdown in all of 2018 and all of 2017 was the sheer amount of Amiibos that I wanted to, I guess, collect as figures in a sense. And they were just unavailable because of either Nintendo not having them out in the market or just people scalping them like crazy. Like, I still want to get a Solaire and... Still can't find him anywhere. And he's like 30 bucks. So we'll see. Um, as far as I'm concerned, dude, 
I expressed this in season one. And uh, my biggest disappointment of 2018 was actually Agony uh, that was released, I guess, on all platforms, PS4, uh, Xbox, and on via PC. And that game was promoted as like this adult-only, um, heavy blood, gore, horror, nudity, like everything you could ask for in an adult-based game. Um, all of which was tied into escaping from hell and like the survival horror type of adventure where you don't have any items. You're just kind of going, you know, it, you know, those games where you just kind of have like a flashlight and you're going through. It was promoted in something to that type of capacity. And the worst news I can get, I was seriously like ready to buy that game and I had the money set aside. I'm like, all right, the second this game hits release, I'm going to buy it. Of course, me being me, went ahead and read some reviews, and it ultimately ended up being one of the worst games of 2018. Extremely buggy, extremely difficult. The voice acting didn't match the lips. They say it looks like a PS2 game overall with graphics, so a next-gen game with PS2-style graphics, like, that's just not worth it. And on top of that, I think it was initially slated to be like 30 bucks when it was released. It came out at 40 And so, you know, even now, trying to pick this game up used is still in the $30 range, which is unbelievable considering how bad it is or how bad it's supposed to be. And then you've got games floating around like Fallout 76 dropping half the price. Where's my $10 Agony? Like, if I can pick it up for $10, I might be able to deal with some bugs. And if it sucks and I can't play it, well, then it was $10. It wasn't $40. So that's where I'm at with that, man. Super disappointed in that title. Yeah, one lesson I think I've learned this year is that I'm going to be much more cautious about day one pickups. Like, Red Dead was totally worth picking up first day for me because I knew it was going to be something worthwhile and something that I would like, you know, regardless of what, you know, little minute problems it might have. I mean, it was a huge game, so, you know, for there to be bugs and stuff, you know, they wouldn't be very common and they wouldn't be super problematic but i knew that it would be worthwhile whereas i don't think i'm ever going to pick up another bethesda game on day one i haven't in a long time actually since the first skyrim release was probably the last time i actually picked up one of their games on day one and i don't think that i'm ever going to do that again because i just don't have enough faith in a lot of these triple a games to release their games as a fully finished product and not just as a hey guess what we can patch all this shit in later you know here's another 50 gig patch or you know whatever it is it's just not it's not right to sell us a day one product with a day one patch because you had to get it out there in time like do your job do your job well and everyone will appreciate it you do your job bad and then you're going to turn into you know this huge story now and it's like it seems like 2018 was a really really good year for gaming like we had some really good games come out this year and I've been really happy with most of what I've played and you know even the things that I've played that I'm not super happy with I still appreciate like I'm not happy with uh Pokemon Let's Go. But it doesn't mean that it's a bad game. Like I'm not going to harp on it and say that the changes they made are terrible changes. I like the changes. I'm just tired of the format as a whole, you know, and it's it's just one of those things that that's a me issue. It's not a them issue. Yeah, I'm totally with you, man. And there was a lot of great games that came out in 2018. 
Uh, nothing that I really have picked. Up. I mean, the God of War came out this year too, right? Yep. In 2018. Yep. So yeah, early 2018, I picked that up for how was it like 15 bucks just a few weeks ago in a GameStop during the Black Friday sales. So you know, I'm right there with you. I don't pick up games typically right upon release because I've been burned on so many other occasions by both developers and console makers. I haven't honestly purchased a uh, a day one console since I think PS2. The rest of it's just kind of been like, let me wait and see what's going on. The PS3, I, I bought later on as generation. I did get, well, not later on. I did get a 60 gigabyte, but it was, you know, far enough in advance. I'm like, if there's any crazy issues, I'll know about it. Little I know, like three or four years later, it would die off of a yellow light of death. Um, granted, it did last longer than everybody's Xbox at that point in time. Right. So, I mean, it took a little longer for that game to really uh, kind of get hammered with those issues. But yeah, I mean, getting burned in so many instances has really just kind of deterred me as a collector and gamer to pick up, you know, a brand new title or a brand new console. It's just not going to happen nowadays for me. So if like a PS5 gets released, I'm not buying that right away. Hell, my PS4, I didn't buy it until the PS4 Pro came out and it had been on the market for like three months at that point. Yeah, I waited for a PS4 for the Slim because yeah. it's always half the price, half the size, you know, a lot all the bugs are worked out like you can always count on sony to come out with a second gen and now a third gen you know and nintendo's gonna launch a new switch next year supposedly i'm really glad i got my switch when i did but you know i'll probably pick up the second one if it's better than the first one depending on if it fits in my badass case or not but you know another thing that i kind of wanted to bring up in recent news so my wife loves kingdom hearts i told her she could get whatever version she wants and she wanted to get the special edition bundled with the PS4 Pro with all the, you know, design controller and the designs on the console itself. And I was like, you know, it wouldn't be so bad to have a PS4 Pro because then I could probably jump into PSVR a lot better than on the Slim. So she found out that it had launched. She had been checking it all the time and she must have just missed a couple days because when it came out, it came out at 6 in the morning, and it sold out in, like, less than 14 minutes. Pre-order, right? Pre, yeah, for pre-order, because it was only a 1,000 released for North America, according to the guy at GameStop that she talked to. Yeah, Only 1,000, and that's bullshit, and now they're online. They're being sold for upwards of $800, $900 on eBay. For this bullshit and they're eBay's trying to crack down on it to make sure people can't do that as much but it's just like if you're gonna have a brick and mortar store you should have like it's the same thing that happened with me and the uh let's go uh switch that I was thinking about getting thank god I didn't but you know it was only gonna be available on gamestop.com and it was you gotta pay for it all up front it's like what happened to the good old days where you could go down to the store and just do it there as opposed to letting scalpers have free reign and control for shit that they don't even care about. Like the fans aren't getting the product and the fact that the creators aren't upset about that is ridiculous. Well, then again, I mean, you're talking Square Enix and Nintendo for a lot of these items that are coming out with crazy pre-orders that are selling out right away. Um, you know, a lot of those games you can still pick up and go to GameStop or Best Buy and do a pre-order of a title. Now, obviously, there's exclusive situations like a Kingdom Hearts limited edition for GameStop uh, for the PS4 Pro. 
Um, but there's a lot of titles. You could still go in and put down 25 bucks, and you're good to go. Like my copy of Owlboy that was limited on the Switch, I think I put down $5 because that was apparently set by the developer that that was the minimum amount needed for a pre-order when it came out versus the 25 typical for a limited edition. But I'm right there with you, man. Like The amount of scalping that's been going on as of late, I'm really really hoping that they kind of crack down on it with eBay and, and start removing a lot of those third-party sales for items that are well above what it's going for on a pre-order basis, especially sellers that have like two copies of that. Like two of those PS4 Pros, I mean, you're making double your money regardless, but come on, man, 1600 bucks for two consoles that you just pre-order for 400 each. Well, and you don't even care about. That's the worst part is it's like, these people come in and they take it away from the people who would actually appreciate it and actually want it. And the limited quantity, like I know that we've talked in the past and I've kind of sided with, you know, the Nintendo on how they've released some of their stuff. But this year's really turned me around and made me a cynic, I guess. Yeah, see, I told you, man, like right when we first started talking about this and you're like, oh, you know, it's it is what it is. Like Nintendo's got this product and they can limit it. And, also, and I, I tried to hammer it out to you, man. Like they do this crap on purpose. They put out, you know, a tenth of what they can technically produce for a title to create a false demand keep their product alive, you know, at the highest possible price point, and people still eat it up, which sucks. Like, I typically do not buy Nintendo games at the highest price point. I rarely even pre-order anything anymore. Like, I buy all my stuff used whenever I can because I just don't support, like, the limited market. It's just BS. And I know we're all making fun of, like, the PlayStation Classic and how many we see on the shelves and stuff, but good on Sony to release a console and have enough in stock that there's not a crazy demand. Like, you can go right now to your store and pick up a PlayStation Classic. Can you go pick up an SNES Classic? Your odds are a hell of a lot slimmer than the PlayStation sitting on that shelf. For the same exact type of concept. Now, the Nintendo consoles are cheaper, and it has a Nintendo brand on it, but the PlayStation Classic has some decent games. It's just 100 bucks. I'd say 20 bucks too much, most likely. So, that's where I am on it, too, man. Uh, let's get out of some bad news here. Let's get into some good news, um, at least for me. Uh, a recent teaser of some artwork was thrown out for Final Fantasy X-3. So, have you played that game yet? In full? Final Fantasy X-3? No, John. It's no, not no, 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 no. Final Fantasy X, the series. No, I haven't. I love Final Fantasy X. I spent a ton of time on it as a kid, but I could never get past Lady Unaleska. And then my memory card got eaten by my dog, and I just never kind of went back to it. I am definitely going to pick it up, though. I'm going to pick up a bunch of the Final Fantasies when they launch on Switch next year. I'm gonna they I don't know if I'll actually go through ten two, but you know, I might pick that up if it's I think they'll probably be bundled together like they were on their H D release for PS4. So, you know, I might dabble in some of that, but I definitely want to get through all of Final Fantasy ten. And my biggest problem with big RPGs like that is like, you know, it's hard to pick up where you left off. But then again, it's also hard to restart because how many times have you played the first five hours of a really long game only to give up because you already know what the next 10 hours after that first five hours is going to be? So I'm kind of guilty of playing Final Fantasy X three times Holy in its shit. entirety. So I will tell you with that game, I've probably put in, because I've actually 100% of that game. So 
as in every dress- full sphere grids for full every character. Full sphere grids for every character. Holy shit, you're crazy. And so I want to say in total, I put in close to 400 hours of gameplay with all three times I played that game. Wow. So that game, in my opinion, is one of the better Final Fantasies. I love the storyline. I love the Blitz Ball. That finding the special weapons and everything and all the items was just really cool. The ultimate weapons were awesome. Uh, picking up all the, the Aeons or summons. Everything in that game was great, and I absolutely loved it. And I beat it all on PS2 that many times, so I haven't even touched it in an HD version. And then Final Fantasy X-2 came out, and it was kind of like, eh, I like this because it's you know a continuation of the story, and you get to see what the female characters are doing. And, and we were 15, and yeah, they were hot. Well... Sure. Uh, but yeah, overall that game, man, it was cool, like the dress spheres and stuff and being able to have different abilities. But the game in general just did not, like I played so many hours of Final Fantasy X that when X-2 was announced, I'm like, this is sweet. It's the first ever Final Fantasy. It's branched off as like a second of the first game. Like X-2 was the first of that type of game. And, um, you know, playing it, I just didn't get the same enjoyment. It just wasn't the same. It, it was kind of like keeping a lot of the same battling that they did in the first game of 10 but they started incorporating other elements that just didn't fit in my opinion at that point in time and uh yeah it was just pain in the ass it just wasn't as fun so i'm really hoping that a 10-3 if it was to come out would obviously be like the best the best of both worlds i i don't know how they would do that but i mean and this is just literally concept art which could be just some random joe schmo on uh what was um a porn website known as tumblr uh, putting up some artwork yeah. um so i mean that's really all it could be but it could honestly be leaked teaser stuff as well well and then there's the whole idea of is it gonna be the same kind of game i mean we already know that final fantasy 7 remake is gonna play more like 15 than 7 so you know a lot of these games are transitioning into this you know kingdom hearts-esque real-time battle system which people seem to really like and then kind of leaving behind the classic turn-based RPG mechanics. Yeah, totally, man. I'm actually trying to find this uh, this article that we um, that we're citing here that had the teaser. So if you want to keep talking, dude, you yeah, can keep so talking. Yeah. So another thing that I I don't know, like I like the idea of a Final Fantasy Ten three because Ten is such a beloved classic. Even though I've never beaten it and I've never really gotten that far in Ten two, I still like the idea of playing a Ten three. But I would also really like to see Final Fantasy kind of jump back. I know that Final Fantasy XIV is more of a classic high fantasy type of Final Fantasy, whereas for a long time the mainline console Final Fantasies have really been steering into this more steampunk, more technology, more futurism combined with fantasy elements. Uh, I mean, 15 was super, you know, they had all kinds of floating airships and all kinds of stuff. And whether any of that was powered by magic or powered by electricity, it doesn't really matter. It's still that same kind of element. But I would love to see like a brand new console release Final Fantasy that goes back to like, let's get into dungeons and forests and swords and archers and do it in a way that's more of that high fantasy classic you know, maybe something more elaborate than going around and collecting elemental gems to save the planet and release, you know, each 
spirit of each crystal. Like we could definitely get away from some of that of the classic stuff, but I would like to see a return to these kind of forms, uh, more akin to like the art style and stuff in Final Fantasy Nine. I I really enjoy Nine, and I think that that kind of thing could have a really strong revival if it was given you know the proper time to become a really cohesive story without having all of these crazy elements that it has to lean on. Yeah, man. Uh, and hey, I just uh, found that article. Uh, so it was a uh, Guillermo Ortega of uh, Gaming Instincts. So he actually had uh, an interview with somebody within the uh, Square Enix team. And um, so basically he said, don't you want to make Final Fantasy X-3? Uh, you know, saying, well, most of you guys have been very busy with other titles. And uh, they go into and say, yeah, uh, there's been some requests to make later years of Titus and Yuna into costumes. And uh, when he asked him, first make Final Fantasy X-3, he said, right. So it's not to say, yes, there's something definitive. It's been confirmed. There's, you know, artwork going around of Final Fantasy X-3. But what it is saying is that there has been discussions at some point in time to at least make costumes, which could down the road lead into a Final Fantasy X-3. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of games in the past, nothing off hand that I can think of, but you honestly could have games that they start as a rumor and those rumors build up into, hey, this actually could be a good idea. And then it's eventually developed into something. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of titles out there that have started at that point, just a rumor, just a thought, and then it's built up from that point on. Half-Life 3 confirmed? Sure, we'll confirm <laughs> it. You heard it here first on the Game Deflators, Half-Life 3 is going to happen. I mean, and then there's all kinds of other stuff that, you know, where's where's the time going to come from this? Like, if it's just a rumor now, I mean, Final Fantasy versus 13 was, you know, we had video footage 10 years before that game actually came out. So I wouldn't put much faith into this. And if if it is going to be a reality, we're not going to see it until we're on, uh, you know, episode 300 or something of the podcast i'm sure well let's see so 15 years times 52 weeks in a year uh ryan more like episode 600 something okay roughly and that's if we're not dead by then right um so yeah i guess we'll we'll find out hopefully this happens i would love there to be a sequel of a sequel um so i think that's it for our gaming news this week unless you have anything crazy going on uh I guess we, we really need to appease our third member of the Game Deflators, James, who manages our Facebook page. Um, obviously, well, we all manage it, but he's really one of the primary points on it. Uh, and, of course, joins us whenever he can nowadays on uh, you know on a whim. He gave us the unfortunate challenge. It was a crappy game challenge slash inflation deflation this week for... Miss Spider's Tea Party on the I, I PlayStation 1. I think we're 1. just going to call it uh, a crappy game challenge. I, I don't think inflation deflation really comes into play with this game. I think it certainly does. I picked it up for $2.50, and it's inflated to an average $5 price point. Wait. For complete in boxes, 362 my friend. Oh, well, that's gone down since the other day. So uh, What's a new copy running for? 676 so all of you that need to complete your brand new inbox playstation one collections miss spider's tea party is only six bucks brand new there you go yeah so uh i guess i'll open up this game normally ryan and i pull up a wiki 
we get some information and background on this game or any game really um just to kind of get an understanding and really help you guys kind of see you know who developed the game when it come out all that good stuff and uh we can find anything on this game yeah uh so mostly what i was able to find is just a list of other titles by the creator or author of the original uh miss spider book series which some of you may remember from the scholastic book years or the scholastic book fairs of years gone by and i'm pretty sure that's where you would have picked up a title like this for the most part at like, a scholastic book fair yeah they had computer games and stuff like where else were you going to buy your math blasters ps1 games i'm sure uh, I, well, mine didn't have it i'm going to call my old elementary school probably up. in the catalog man i don't remember that but well, not... you wouldn't have been looking at miss spider probably probably not yeah no probably not maybe blues clues which don't tell james but i have that game too oh god so the uh the game we couldn't really find a whole lot on it we found a whole bunch of other titles and i did find a title of another book which confused me for a little while until we realized that it wasn't the same person because I was looking at uh, David Kirk is the original author of the book. And when you go and search for David Kirk, you come up with all of these, you know, Little Miss Spiders this, Little Miss Spiders that. And then also on the list, Child of Vengeance. You see, that's a game that I would have enjoyed playing. Exactly. But, but they're different David Kirks. So don't mix your Kirks up. We're looking at David Kirk. Do you think that both of these? Do you think both of these David Kirks, when they see each other at parties, just kind of go like, "Hey, David Kirk, the Spider, right? Yeah, you're a child of vengeance, right? Right. Yeah, we should do a story together. Yeah, just mash those up, Little Miss Spider of Vengeance. So let's uh, let's get into some Little Miss Spider discussion here and and some of the fun that we had. So the one thing that Ryan and I noticed immediately was the overall concept of this game is Miss Spider is going to all her bug and grandfather spider friends to uh, invite them to a tea party. And she goes to them and decides to try and invite, and you have to go through these edutainment games, and you visit the person, you're like, hey, she's like, do you want to come to my tea party later tonight? As she hands them a cup of tea on a platter with four other cups of tea. She's dropping in on everybody with tea in hand, inviting them to come over for tea. It just seems a little bit, you know, like, why would you bring the tea and then invite them for tea? But, you know, who are we to question Little Miss Spider? I guess because it's a tea party, maybe it's only a small serving to give them a taste of Mrs. Spider's tea. The other thing is you that... You always give them the first taste for free. Exactly. exactly. But here's a, here's a real question I have. Why are bugs hanging out with a spider? I Like, is she secretly, like, trying to drug them and bring them to her spider household where she will just eat them? I mean, if I was a beetle... And I was like, to Miss Spider, handing me tea. I'd be like, what's in that drink, Miss Spider? I don't trust you. But apparently because it's Miss Spider and she has a British voice, it's all good to go. Well, you know, David Kirk writes his spiders the way he wants. You write your spiders the way you want, I guess. Sure, I guess the, we'll, uh, we'll go off that. I like the other David Kirk better. Right. The The other games, so it's it's a whole just like list of little mini games, mostly, you know, matching and colors and all that kind of stuff. We Ryan, chose to play on hard. Ryan struggled on the matching of colors. Okay, so if you play this on a PS3 on hard mode, upscaled, thank upscaled you. in widescreen, I challenge you to do the matching game with the uh, 
the Fireflies because they all look exactly the goddamn same and none of them match. And it's a huge pain in the ass. It literally just trial and error matching. Like the first two I picked, I was like, oh shit, this is going to be easy. They match. And it's like, sorry, didn't match. And then I had to hear that for like the next like six minutes while I tried every combination to get through it. It was absolute garbage. Every other game worked pretty well. We didn't really run into any other things that made hard mode difficult. And then upon revisiting the Firefly game in easy mode, they are indeed full-on different colors to make the matching actually apparent. So I don't know if it's like just an artifact of the upscaling and the widescreen that we had on and that was fixed when we changed it to just the normal screen dimensions. I'm not sure, but for whatever reason in hard mode, it just decides arbitrarily which ones match and which ones don't. Those butterflies are hard too, man. Trying to get through to butterflies and uh, find them like blended in. So you've got this like highly upscaled on a 55 inch 4k game that's already really bad graphics except the cinematic parts the cinematic parts are actually pretty decent yeah it has those kind of you know early 2000s cgi graphics that are really smooth and non-polygonal and then all of the actual like interactive parts aren't 3d at all yeah it's just all flat which you know it didn't bug me too much overall the game but yeah those butterflies were hard to find and then i did beat you in the race game we both had to go downhill uh which i don't understand why a moth needed help going downhill the caterpillar i could understand clearly ate too much it was a very large caterpillar i could see why a caterpillar needed some assistance but the moth really come on and how's a moth running into rocks that the caterpillar was hitting like are they mountains? Like, I just didn't get it. But regardless, you had the easier path, and I beat you by 0.02 seconds. You certainly did, John. You that certainly was, did. That was the most exciting portion of our gaming. We only played this game for, James, if you're listening, we only played it for 25 minutes, but we fully beat the game within the 25 minutes on hard mode. Yep. If we would have played on easy, it would have been like 10 minutes. There's no way. But I will tell you, Ryan, there was an Amazon review. And uh, it said it was too hard for their two-and-a-half-year-old son. So maybe uh, maybe it's difficult once you get into that eight-year-old range. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. There are, there are a few good moments of color. That's about I, it. Yeah, I mean, the for a game like this, you're actually, you know, you're not looking at the gameplay of it. I mean, there was a real easy Frogger clone. And then there was the you race str- down. You struggled the hill. at first on that, Ryan. Don't lie. We, it's the controls are weird. You fell into the water five times. I counted. Well, yeah, I know because I wasn't like. It's Frogger, Ryan, but with beetles, trying to jump onto giant sperm cells in the river. Yeah, there was that, but no, it was just like the the actual gameplay of this is not important. What should be important is the edutainment value of it. And for the most part, there was only really one or two games that had any real actual edu to go with the very, very mild tainment. I would say the matching games with um, the flowers that you played would have been okay with the matching for a kid because they had some colors some differentiation, the petals and such uh, with the bees, obviously. Uh, And then I think the first one that I did that was probably the most. It had colors and numbers and and actual names. Bugs. Yeah, so it was yeah. like two yellow jackets, and you had to find the two yellow jackets. And then obviously like three. Like 
once we hit that particular game, which happened to be the first game, and Ryan called it click on the strange pickle man that we need to invite, but it turned out to be Miss Spider's grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why he's green, because she's yellow. That's kind of weird. Um, but when we got to that game, and it said match two yellow jackets, and I saw three options, I kind of looked over at Ryan. I'm like, we're doing this? I'm like, yeah. Apparently, apparently we are. Reality set in quick on Reality that Reality set in very quickly at that point as to what we were about to embark on. And I blame James. You I know, also blame James. He is not allowed to record again. Actually, he is not allowed to do another challenge of his nature again. In fact, I will challenge him to a game next time he's on. We'll have to look at his VG Collect. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he can master time and space to get here. We'll see if he can master some shitty game that he owns, too. Yeah, exactly. Actually, and he's got uh, 30 minutes to complete it, just like we completed Miss Spider. I'm going to write that down, man. He's going to enjoy hearing that part. So we'll say at uh, 44 minutes and uh, 28 seconds on the actual recording, um, I will have to inform James that he has to tune in at that exact point in time so he can see where we talk shit about his game. Exactly. Yeah, I hate him for that. So, and then uh, as far as inflation, deflation, I'm going to say that for $3.25... You should do yourself a favor and go get a Happy Meal because you will learn <laughs> more from that Happy Meal and get more value and entertainment than you will out of Little Miss Spider's Tea Party. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. It is heavily inflated at that point. Um, if I you find say- this for a dollar, throw the game away and use that jewel case if it's in good condition for a better game. You bring up a very valid point. The plastic alone may be worth more than the game. Or you you paid a dollar, and you just destroy it all. That just you know what it does is it makes my copy rare. So any Miss Spider games you find, destroy them. Pick yes, them up for everybody dollar. purchase all the little Miss Spiders and destroy them. I want the only copy of Miss Spider on the PS One. Please make this happen. There we go. All right, man. Well, I've got nothing else for this week. Uh, next week we'll obviously uh, be doing episode sixteen formally. Um, and it'll no be longer. a very special episode. We won't be doing just a regular inflation deflation challenge. What we're going to do is the inflation deflation game of the year where we're going to talk about and think about and look around and see what we think released in 2018 is the best bang for your buck game. You know, there's a lot of good contenders. A lot of big games came out this year and we'll see, uh, you know, how much you can spend for how much fun you can have. And then we'll probably look at, uh, you know, the most uh, inflated as well and see what's the worst thing that you can buy for your money. Spoiler alert, it might be Fallout 76. But Fallout 76 has a lot of content. That's the thing. It's like, how much how much content are you getting for that, what is it at, $30 now? Uh, it might have gone back up. That might have been just a sale. I don't just know. Just Black Friday sale. Well, well, no, no, no. I mean, it has been pretty low recently. But you do get a nice plasticky looking nylon bag if you get the collector's edition. No, oh, right. Which I think they now said you have to wait four to six months to get the new one, the better bag. Oh, the the actual one that they promised. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So good luck on that. Four to six months from now. Uh, yeah, man. And we'll obviously uh we'll do the worst game. And I think we should probably review not necessarily review but kind of look back at the games that you and i played for inflation deflation and really determine out of those what was our favorite yeah that sounds good that sounds good too so we'll uh we'll start you know putting together it's been it's been a really great 
you know, few months getting started with this and stuff. So we'll close out the year strong. And then uh, after next week, we'll be back, you know, for 2019. And we'll see what we have to look forward to in the new year. So hang in for next week and we'll see you guys then. All right. Uh, well, as always, my name is John. And I'm Ryan. And we are the Game Deflators. Oh, come on now. Come on. All right. Well, let's redo it. Let's redo it. All right. My name is John. And I'm Ryan. And we, we are, are one, the, two, three, the, the Game, Game Deflators. Deflators.